Thank you so much for being here on the next episode. Learn, grow, do, repeat with Jamie Tatino. Look, I created this podcast to be able to give back, connect with like-minded people, people like you, people like me, who are out there chasing those goals, chasing those dreams and turning them into a reality. Be sure to like, comment and share at the end of the episode. Also, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Again, thank you for being here. Let's get into it. Hello, 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 and welcome to the next episode, Learn, Grow, Do, Repeat with Jamie Tatina. So today I'm really excited to bring to you a guest that uh, we were connected together by a mutual friend. Uh, and when she reached out and said, you need to get this guy on the show, I, no hesitation. I said, let's make it happen. I did some research myself uh, and I knew straight away that you know there's going to be a lot of golden nuggets and some really good learnings for you guys to take away from this episode. So we have a former lawyer who has three university degrees himself, uh, one in biomedical science, one in business and one in law. Uh, he's built a multi-million dollar share portfolio. Uh, and on the back of that, he's written the book called Money Grows on Trees, which uh, when he sent me that, I was like, I need one of those trees. And I'm sure everyone out there wants one of those trees as well. He placed first in 2016 in an IMBA bodybuilding competition uh, and recently completed his first 100 kilometer ultra marathon. Both him and his wife uh, have successfully built a multi-level marketing business, which turns over $500 million a year. Uh, And they have both founded the uh, secret, the side hustle secret formula as well, uh, which is really cool too. Uh, ultimately together they're now on a mission to to give back help people raise their money game and help them diversify income as well we have lloyd ross welcome buddy to the show thanks jamie thanks for having me on i'm really pumped i'm excited about this show and uh that was a great intro i hope that guy shows up he sounds pretty good (laughs) (laughs) is that you (laughs) evidently Uh, good now like i said when we first got on on the call before we started recording um yeah congratulations on everything you've been able to achieve it's it's incredible uh, and then when, you know, Dimity connected us, I knew straight away that, like I said in there, like definitely worth having a, a chat together and putting some amazing content out to the listeners. Yes, so, buddy, we're going to go straight into rapid fire. Um, you have no idea what this is. No idea. Uh, which is amazing. So we've got about 20, 21 questions, quick questions, quick answers. You ready? Okay, ready. <laughs> Favorite song right now? Uh, Stevie Nicks, um, Dreams. Taking it back. I like it. Uh, favorite song to get pumped up to? Uh, um, rocky. Any rocky, rocky theme. Anything Rocky. On the amazing five movies. Favorite movie? Braveheart slash Saving Private Ryan. Nice, nice. Favorite book? Other fiction, than your own. Uh, fiction, <laughs> fiction, Cain and Abel, number one. Probably number one overall. And then nonfiction, I would say uh, the the um, Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins. Absolutely. Well, <laughs> I was going to ask, was that the inspiration behind doing yes. the ultra marathon? Yes. So uh, you've answered that question already. I can cross that one off the list. Amazing. Favorite color? Blue. Go-to meal? Uh, go-to meal. Uh, rat? Okay. Gomez. I <laughs> <laughs> oh, love it. This is the pressure. It's early days, rapid fire, on the spot. Favorite TV show? Uh, TV show. God. Uh, I've been watching The Queen's Gambit. Amazing. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I haven't seen that one, to be honest, but uh, might be worth getting onto it. Yep. Your first job? Take uh, Unloading ceramic pots from a container at 15. <laughs> 
Love it. Uh, your biggest celebrity uh, slash sporting idol growing up? Uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Absolutely. Mm. What's your favorite movie of his? Oh, uh, favorite movie? That's not in, that's not in the oh, round five probably question. Kamar, probably Kamar. Like, Kamar is pretty bad. That's mine too. Yeah. Like, it's one guy bad. who takes on a whole country. That's right. Like, how yeah. does that happen? I think that's one of the best. <laughs> And he just rolls in there on a little boat, yeah. does his own thing, yeah. you know, and just and then just flies out, you know. Yes, yeah, the realism of it, I love it. So real, <laughs> love it. Um, one thing you hate or dislike, and you can't say coriander. No, can I say anything? Anything. Complacency, incompetence, and mediocrity. Okay, that's three, but we'll just we'll just go with it. <laughs> we'll go with it. Uh, funniest or craziest thing you've done. Uh, craziest thing I've done, the 100 Ultra was pretty crazy. Yeah, man. Jumping off the biggest bungee was pretty crazy. Yeah, it's pretty crazy stuff. Wow, that's pretty cool. Book or audio book? Book. Summer or winter? Winter. Sum up your mindset in one word. My mindset? Yeah. Unstoppable. What is something you haven't done yet that you really would like to do though? Go on a cruise in the Mediterranean with my wife. Even after this year, you still want to go on a cruise? Yeah. You know, we're all going to die one day. Don't matter. <laughs> exactly uh, right. Anyway. Come this far. What's the worst yeah. <laughs> Love it. Proudest moment personally and proudest moment professionally. Proudest moment personally was finishing the ultra marathon, the 111 kilometer ultra, uh, and winning my first boxing fight. And Professionally, was winning the Man of the Year award for my for our company in 2018. Well done, buddy. Well done. Thanks, man. <laughs> Tell us something that no one knows about you, Lloyd. Uh, I used to have my tongue pierced. <laughs> oh. One of those guys, huh? One of those, yeah, run around London, yeah. you know? <laughs> tongue pierced. No longer, though, which is good. Uh, <laughs> now, you can substitute. So, your greatest failure. Now, you can substitute failure for any word that resonates best with you. But your greatest failure that ended up being your best lesson? Greatest failure ended up being my best lesson was when I went into the CFA charter exam, which is brutal six hours it takes to do those exams. They only offer once a year, three levels. I studied for six months straight, all my annual leave. And I went into level one where the pass rate is 30% and I failed. But what made it a really bad failure was I went back again, second year, and failed again. And then the third time I went back, I was like, come on. And I went in again and I passed. And that, those were the best failures. Love that. Well yeah. done, buddy. So what was it, CFA, did you say? Yeah, Chartered Financial Analyst. It's yeah. the hardest yeah. exam in finance, yeah. Well, well done, buddy. Well done. Uh, if you could choose to have lunch with any one person in the world, who would it be? You got a two-hour time limit, and where would you have lunch? I love this question. Amazing. I I would love to have lunch with Warren Buffett at his where he goes to have lunch in Omaha. Wherever he goes, we'll go there. We'll go there. Love it. That's cool. Uh, what was ten-year-old Lloyd like? Pretty, uh, pretty sporty. Uh, played video games, rode bikes, played traded basketball cards, played a lot of basketball. <laughs> pretty shy. Not not that extroverted. And uh, pretty, you know, B grade student. Love that, love that. Yeah. B grade, that's pretty good. Better than me. I was a solid D. Well, um, yeah, well, yeah, no, no good in school. No, yeah, exactly right. No good in school whatsoever. Other than sport, obviously, like dominated that. Yeah. Outside of that, that's about it. Yeah. Uh, what, what would be one uh, skill, quality trait, you know, belief, value 
that you see consistent across your closest five friends, acquaintances, business partners, whatever it may be, that is consistent, but the one that's most important to you as well? The, probably the five around me that are that, that I value the most, they're really authentic. And they want to live more than a mediocre life. Love that. Mm. Last question. We've done well to get through this. Well done. Yeah. It's a nice one. Your favorite superhero. Uh, favorite superhero. I think Superman. Because, he, yeah, well, I'm pretty sure because I tell you why. I tell you why I want to be Superman. You know, well, I went to him first and what, what I think about him is he's the only superhero that doesn't put on a, co- a, a, a costume. He was born Superman. So he actually takes off his costume to become the person he becomes. But every other superhero has to put on a costume. <laughs> I know you're thinking about the one, right? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually going, like they're going through my mind. Yeah, like, is, there, is there anyone else? <laughs> it's, it's, you know, but it, okay, cool. That makes sense. I like it. He was yeah. born a superhero. I like that. That is a good way to look at it. Well, Lloyd, that is rapid fire. Congratulations, buddy. You made it through. <laughs> Thanks. Thank Don't get any harder than that. You could definitely put that on your resume now. There you go. In rapid fire with Jamie on his podcast. That was awesome. Well, again, like I said, buddy, um, thank you so much for making the time to be here. And congratulations on everything you've been able to achieve. And, you know, I'm sure there's going to be many, many, many uh, more that come your way. Let me ask you this. What's been one thing you've learned about yourself personally during COVID? Um, Well, one thing I've learned about myself during COVID is that I don't often let macroeconomic events get in the way of my success. I think I've, I, 2020 has been my best year of all my years, which is across, across all yeah. Like yeah. elements, so to say. Yep. Like I've had some tremendously successful years before, but this has been my most successful in different areas, personally and professionally at the same time, which is crazy. Cause it's, you know, COVID's just knocked the wind out of everything, but 100%. so, yeah, it's weird. I guess not letting those types of macroeconomic events get in the way of your success. I learned that about myself. We can still succeed in what we have left. So. How cool is that? Yeah, it's really you know, cool. And I guess ultimately to date, this has probably been the most toughest year in a long time in society. Yeah. Um, and, and it's sort of common in a way, like sort of what you're sharing there, Lloyd. Like, yes, definitely there's been some sadness and there's been some despair where you know, people have lost their lives or they've lost jobs yeah. and money and everything else that goes with it. Yep. Um, you know, and we can always be there to support those. And on the other side, there's been people who have, you know, done well, who have succeeded, who have, I don't, I don't think the word's lucky, <laughs> you know, but in a way set themselves up to capitalize in this opportunity that's ar- yeah. arised in this time. Yeah. Um, so again, I definitely want to dive into a little bit more of, you know, how that all happens. The sure. first thing I want to ask, so he's going to go back to that ultra marathon. Tell me why, how you mentioned David Goggins can't be hurt. That's an incredible book. If you haven't listened to that or read it, you have to go and read it or listen to it. Um, but where did the idea come from? Why did you do it? How did you go? Tell us about it in two minutes. Okay. Let, can I unpack this story and I'll do it in two minutes, but it's go. really important because my whole year is framed around this one meeting of this one person. Okay. So I read the book, David Goggins kind of me last year. Great book. If you haven't picked it up and I'm like, okay, I need to level up my personal like goals here. Like this is, I want to get the juice. So we were in our F45 studio and we said to our gym owner, we said, look, we want to do 10 F45 sessions in a row. He's like, what? That's crazy. 
but I like it. Let's do it. So we, we went in there and we did seven and a half hours of functional fitness. It was like, it was beast mode. There was 15 of us that did it. Yeah. It was brutal. We came up with that idea from that book. So then when we finished that, I'm like, all right, leveled up. That's really good. That was something that very uncommon. I don't think it's been done before. And so what happened was then I happened to a chance meeting with a guy called Gavin Top. He actually just rang me as I jumped on this podcast. Uh, he's become a great friend. And I bumped into him at a, at a conference. And he said to me, I want to show you something. I said, okay. Now, unbeknownst to me, he is an ex-professional boxer. He's actually an Australian title holder. And he was ranked number 12th in the world. And he's right. actually in the Queensland Boxing Hall of Fame. And I didn't know any of this. I just liked him as a bloke. Anyway, so he says, look, I've got this boxing program. Showed me it all. I was like, okay. He said, I said, what do you want to do? You want me to influence it, help? What, what, how can... He goes, I want you to do it. <laughs> I was like, oh. And then I'm thinking, this is what you asked for. You need to level up. Let's go. So I said, yes. He said, yep, let's do it. So I went in there, trained for 12 weeks and went into did my first exhibition boxing fight. Love that. Which was just like next level uncomfortable, right? As you'd imagine. So I trained, did that, finished it, got fighter of the series. I really went hard at it and it was an amazing experience. And after that, I started hanging around Gav more. We started, we kept training together. Like I just love, like iron sharpens iron. So I was like, I'm sharpening myself against him, right? And vice versa. So... Once that happened, he said, you know what? Because he heard me talk about money a lot. He said, you know what? I'm going to challenge you. You're going to write a book. <laughs> he just written one called The Rite of Passage for the Modern Man. And I saw it. He's doing well with it. And he said, you're going to write a book and you're going to do it in four weeks. So he really is great at bringing the best out in people. And he put me on the spot. And I was like, whoa. I was like, ugh. And it was challenging. I'm like, all right, go write a book. And so we did that. I wrote that and did it. And released it. It's been super successful. And we're just getting started. But it was amazing how that came about. And then once that happened, we're chatting away and he said, he tagged me in this ultra marathon, a hundred kilometer ultra marathon on Facebook. It was in Melbourne, but the Melbourne COVID was closed off. So he's like, I said, look, it's close. We can't get there. And he said, find one locally. So I'm jumping online. I'm, I'm cruising around Facebook. And I'm like, oh, this one looks juicy. It's called the Guzzler. And it's a, <laughs> and it's a, it's a trail ultra 111 tra- kilometer ultra marathon. Uh, in through bushes at night and that, like it's brutal it's like four and a half thousand meters elevation it's it's horrific and he's i'm like i'm in and he goes great i said you're gonna do it he's like ah okay i'll do it with you <laughs> and then my wife said she'll do it and then her sister said she'll do it so there was a group of us and then gavin's daughter so there's five of us really and then another mate joined in so this crew and that's how it happened and we're like we're, we're training in the hills and we're doing half marathons and at this point i'd not run more than 10ks i'd never done a marathon so it was going to be juicy and we rolled in there and just, it was a 26 and a half hour torture wow. chamber. So that's the story behind the ultra marathon. And it's, it's, it's incredible in a way. Well, firstly, well done, buddy. Thank um, you. you know, and it's funny how like it started with just the small things of, you know, doing 10 F45 sessions, yep. then boxing, yep. then writing a book. And then yep. it just goes bang, yep. ultra marathon. Yep. So all this happened in the last, what, 12 Four months. months. Mm-hmm. Crazy, man. Yeah. Crazy. Tell us about the ultra. Like, what was it like? Like what was Oh, well, the training is pretty brutal. So we were doing about 70 or 80. So here's the thing. People train their whole life. Like they, they are runners. They, 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 this is know, thing. Yes, they they they've got a bit of talent there and they program, they train for years before they run a hundred yeah. kilometer. And even the people in this Facebook group, it does a lot. They're like, you guys have just left it too late because we're 10 weeks away from the race. And that's when we joined. So we do this post in this group and they're like, ah, uh, I don't, I don't think you can do it. And, <laughs> And I don't like when I hate when people say I can't do stuff. 100%. It really drives me. So I'm like, oh. And one of the ladies in the group, she said, 
um, most people don't run 100 kilometers off the bat. They'll do this first or that first. And I said, well, we're not most people. Anyway, so we had a lot of hate in there. And then we trained. So we're up, you know, at 4 o'clock, 4.30 in the morning doing half marathons. We did about three of them a week and then a 35K on the weekends up hills. And we did that for about seven weeks. You know, get you in shape, get you, you know, it's brutal. And then we go to this race and I'm thinking to myself, God, we're going to, we're going to run all night here. And so that's what we did. And it's up and down hills. And, and like, I got to the 57 K checkpoint and I mean, you're, you're already in pain at 35. That's as long as the human body can typically run without being in too much pain, 35 Ks probably. And then you get there and you're in pain and I got shin splints and I'm thinking, fire my shin splints hurt. And, and then I'm like, how am I going to get to 57? But we did it and we're rolling into 57 at nighttime. And I got chafing everywhere. <laughs> Ridiculous. And yeah, and, yeah. And then it's like night. So we started at 6 a.m. in the morning and we're rolling to the 57K checkpoint at night. Because for all the viewers, it's not a 42K flat run. We no, do no way. Runs, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's like almost the same height in elevation as Everest Base Camp. Wow. So, so I start running and I had to change my gags, my knees getting crushed. I'm thinking, oh my God, we just hobbled into 57 Ks. Had a like a support group down there, like massaging us and like giving us stuff and feeding us and you got to eat and all that sort of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God. Then we had to get up and run another, what, 60, oh no, 57 kilometers. Yeah, yeah, wherever yeah. it was, right? So out of that, we went at the nighttime. Man, and we to get from 57 to 83 kilometer checkpoint was just like hills like steep, deep and huge hills. And we roll in 83 at 4 a.m. in the morning, sleep deprived, just brutal. Out of it. Yeah. And like only, yeah, only 40% of people finish the race. So we're like, wow. we have to finish this race. So we went from 83 to 100 and we were like running as best we could at the end because our bodies are just like beaten up. Shutting down. Yeah, yeah shutting down. And we, we, we finished, the, we went across the finish line at 26 and a half hours and the cutoff is 28. Well done, buddy. Congratulations. Like to you and obviously everyone that did it. Yeah. Huge, huge, Massive. huge, huge achievement. Yeah. Well done, man. Well done. Uh, and I'm sure there's lots of learnings that came out of that, lots that, of you know, metaphors that go into life that yeah. will never be forgotten. And there's moments in there that you had to push through that it's well, developed I think, you. I think something for the viewers to take into consideration, because here's, here's the thing. Whenever you just do something audacious, you know, when you say, I haven't really run more than 10 Ks and I'm going to do a hundred ultra, it puts it's so outrageous that they just go, you can't do it, but they can't do it. Totally. So they're, proje- they're putting they're putting their own limitations. Yeah. yeah. And so here's the funny thing in that group, the girl that said, you can't, you're not most people, you know, most people, this, she was signed up for the 50 and she didn't finish. So just because someone has an opinion of you based on their limitations, doesn't mean you can't do it. hundred percent. I love that, man. I love that. How good is that? You know, such such big stories that come out of it, such big breakthroughs, and I'm sure that's like you said, you wanted to be leveled up a bit. Now you've leveled up from like level ten to like a level hundred. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Gone to, yeah, hundred yeah, percent, man. Yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So, look, man, congratulations on the book as well. Uh, you know, I had a, I had a, a bit of a read. I actually, read it twice in the lead up to this. I really wanted to, you know, wow. dive deep into it and to get your feedback on it as well. And the fact that you wrote it in four weeks is is really incredible as well. Uh, now, <laughs> now you're telling me that, and after reading, it, it's like that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, well, thanks for reading. Um, no, nah, my pleasure, man. Uh, you know, it's money, and a lot of people try and steer away from the conversation of money. Sure. Uh, but realistically, it's it's there. Yeah. Yep. You know, we if you can if you can get your hands on some of it, then why not? And it's just some cool strategies that you can use to to grow it, uh, and use yeah. some of the, the the content that you've created. Then why not? 
uh, and I think if we can, if you can have a money tree, it doesn't want a money tree. That's, that's ultimately what. the goal, isn't that? What our parents say, money doesn't grow on trees. Money doesn't grow on trees. Well, hold on, loyalty to tell you something different. Um, so, look, man, tell us a bit more about you know, one, how do I get one of these trees? Cool. And, and secondly, where did the idea come about? Why did you decide to write it other than Gavin putting you under the pressure to do it? Um, so yeah, talk, talk to us a little bit more about the book. Do you know, thanks. And um, I, it, it's funny, like I think a lot of us who you know, have mastered something in our lives, in the back of our minds, we want to leave a legacy. And there's no better way to do it than a book. So I think secretly everyone wants to write a book. They want, they want to leave something of their life. But when you're writing a book, you have to have a compelling story to tell. And so you've got to live a great, you know, do things that scare you and do things that, that others don't. And you can write a book because that's worth reading, right? So anyway, I guess the book took me about 15 years to write because the reality is that I learned all that stuff in the last 15 years, right? Since high school. And the book begins when I was in high school and my teacher said, hey, go read these two books. That's where my financial journey began. But um, like how the book came about was Gav did actually challenge me to write it but he knew i had it in me and i was undeveloped there right he goes man what the heck like you can do but it's nice for people to pull belief into you like that and until someone keeps you accountable you won't do something agreed you know so it, it, it's him that inspired the book to be written but it was there ready to go you think about you know i think about my journey with money has always been well it begins when you're young and so i was fortunate to have my parents who like in the book i talk about my dad earning a lot of money losing a lot and I was around it and it wasn't taboo at all, um, which is probably an advantage, you know, that I knew it was capable of being made. And I wanted to make it because I saw what it did. It gives people choice. All right. Absolutely. It's not a dirty, dirty word. Yeah. So that helped. And then I learned by actually becoming a self-learner. And I think the, the, the most important message for anyone listening to this needs to be if, if you want to level up, you've got to pick up a book. Mm-hmm. You've either got to read it or experience it. There's some things you can't learn in a book, like running a hundred ultra. You can't learn that of stuff. Course. You, you can <laughs> yeah. be inspired by a book to do it. But the thing with money and these types of things is you can learn a lot in a book. And so um, I read a lot of books. I read tons of books. I read Warren Buffett books, Robert Key. I read, I've read so many books, more than once. Because I wanted to be a master of money. Because, yeah. gee, I mean, if you have infinite money, imagine the impact you can make. That's the infinite choice infinite choice so you know i was like money does grow on trees let me show you how i've done it because we have money coming to our bank account in different varieties and in you know without any debt and it just if you follow me on facebook i'm just living this life where i get to go to europe I, I, we do whatever we want you know Thank you. Good. and i wanted That's to impart great. that to people that it, i want to change their mindset love that 100 and that that is one of the questions that i actually got here we'll skip to that one then like what do you think are some of the the barriers or why do you think for some people one, maybe they don't believe they can have it. Yeah. And I know it comes from the upbringing. You know, there's stories every single day of people like yourself and like others out there who have created wealth, who maybe didn't come from the, the best possible upbringing in history. So why do you think some people, you know, it does hold them back? Like, what do you see as the, the common barriers that stops people from achieving their wealth goals? I think there's, oh, there's some fears. There's, there's, a, there's primarily fears that dictate, you know, whether we can achieve things or not. It's all fear-based. And the fears are what will people think of me if I have money? So if I start being the person with money, my friends will talk about me, right? And no one likes to be like judged. So judgment is a big fear, judgment. If you have money, you're being judged, but they don't realize you're being judged anyway. So whether you've got it or you don't, you're going to be judged anyway. Yeah, definitely. And also this, I think in Australia specifically too, there's this mentality or identity that we, everyone seems to want to live into, which is the Aussie battler identity. 
And I don't know where that's come from, but that's a really bad identity to live into because it, it limits you. It limits your potential. And I don't think it's, I think it's, so explain that, like, is that like, you know, be like the guy who's always working, always hustling, doing something, like working hard. Always working hard, scraping away, just putting the food on the table, you know, back, you know, just having hard, you know, and, and, and don't have any money. And there's this like, there's this like um, badge of honor that yeah. I'm like, you know, I'm doing it tough type thing. And it just doesn't need to be around. So I think of people living into that identity, plus letting them, letting people judge them if they have money or not. And this self-worth thing, you know, it like, do I deserve money? It's that no one ever, you, it's not like you, what's the right terminology? Like a squirrel, right? It, It goes, it needs to go and collect nuts and eat nuts to survive. It doesn't go, oh, I'm not worthy of this nut. It doesn't do that. It, it's a survival thing. And somewhere along the lines, I think if you feel like you're not worthy of it, I just think you've got too much time on your hands to think about that. You know, mm-hmm. money is all about time. And I talk about it in the book. I'm like, yeah. stop looking. I like, I like that analogy you used. Like yeah. You find 20 bucks on the floor. You pick, it's not, can I go and buy a new shirt? It's I've found, you know, an hour of time. Exactly. So I think too many people look at money as a thing to, oh, to buy. Th- it's time. So anyone who doesn't want to multiply their time or get time back or save time, I think they're taking their time for granted on earth, you know. So money just gives you the ability to have more time. And I think if people focus on that, they would focus less on whether I'm worth that or not. And, um, you know, I think finally for people who have a, don't feel like they're worthy or they have this poor money mindset, it's all behavioral based. So it does begin in their environment. So if you're in an environment that doesn't support creating money, making money or the poor environment of you, you, you got poor habits, then get out of the environment. Mm-hmm. because you know money is 80 percent behavioral so you want to be, have the right behaviors discipline you know consistency these types of things. are you looking for that next book maybe something to help you take control and remove those barriers to ultimately see you achieve what you were destined for be great a book i wrote that dives deep into building the self-belief and mindset and also touches on the six key elements to achieving greatness it's easy to consume and to take action on get your signed copy today at www.begreatthebook.com. Enjoy. I like that, man. I like that. And you know what's funny? Like, like those last three things you just said there, like, you know, the behavior and the, and the consistency and the discipline, that goes even outside of money. Absolutely. Really, uh. And it's it's common, you know, skills and values and, and an attitude to have that it's not just going to help you build wealth. It will. It'll help you build the health goals you have, the relationship goals you have, the love, the self-love you have, the yep. self-worth you have. Yep. You know, so it's not just some, and, and I love the fact that you're not making it too, and that, again, for when people do get the opportunity to read the book, it's not too like high level where you need to go to university to understand it. Heck no. Wait. And, and, I, and I love it like that, man. Yeah. Well done. I think if you go to university, you'll learn not how to make money. <laughs> and I can say that because I've been to university more than almost every single human in Australia. But yeah, yeah. But with, with, with um, well, you just touched on it. Oh, so I did this post the other day, you know, the same discipline it takes to create a six- pack in your body is the same discipline it takes to create six figures in your bank account yeah it's the same yeah. discipline discipline yeah. behavior yeah stay consistent turn up absolutely follow the process 100%. i love that i love exactly. that so if someone was like you know 25 say even 18 to 25 say right sort of getting into this whole getting a job yep. making some money yep. savings people tell them buy a house people are saying put money in investments here there everywhere there's a million different things mm-hmm. 
what would be some really core things that, you know what, if it's an 18 year old, 20 year olds listening right now, it's like, do this. Or, and I know you can't give direct financial advice, just putting a disclaimer out there. Yeah. Um, but you know, where, where would be a good spot for someone to put some time, energy and effort towards? The most important thing to understand is, and my dad taught me this. He said, listen, mate, you're going to make most of your money in your thirties and forties. That's what he said. So, you know, that's when you make most of your money. So he said in your twenties, he said, focus on experience and skills and knowledge. And I think if I'm talking to a young 20 something year old or whatever it might be, this whole get rich quick thing is not effective because you, if you get the money, you will lose it. Your skills and experience and mindset have to grow first before the money can stick with you. All right. So the, if you see young people getting lots of money, I can almost guarantee they're not going to have it. It'll leave them because here's what, here's the, the best way to create money, develop you, develop your skills, your mindset, your behavior, your discipline, and your habits, which takes work. It takes, you know, unpleasant time. stuff, time. It, takes, it takes, time. Time. Yeah. takes time. So I think in your 20s, focus on accumulating really high income generating skills. And they are like great communication skills. Learn how to public speak. Learn how to write well. Learn how to write, you know, copy and learn how to uh, read. Learn how to read really well. Because all the knowledge is out there. You know, and learn how to network. Meeting people is a great skill. So I think in your 20s, if you're learning all these really good skills you didn't learn in school, then you're going to be more valuable as a human and you're going to be able to make money later. Mm -hmm. But too many people look for money. They don't look for skills, all right? And the other thing is that to be wealthy, you have to be able to develop yourself, like I said, but also save and then invest. And you apply your skills to learn how to invest and save and then you actually do it. So I think the biggest step to take is to set a goal and say, okay, I need to get to my first $100,000. And I'm here to tell the audience for young people, there is no shortcut to that. There are some, obviously, out there where you can tell it, but the discipline in saving mm-hmm. and being patient is how I made my first 100000 And I saved it. Then I invested it. And when you've got $100,000 invested, let's say in the stock market, in an index fund or something, then if the market grows by 15%, you make $15,000 that particular year, plus dividends and for doing nothing but sitting on your butt. So your money will make money, but you've got to actually acquire some. And that takes Mm. sacrifice, saving, minimizing your spending and have the goal of 100,000 and really get it. But that's the character building time. That's it's exactly like, you know what? I, yes. I could go and get my smashed avo, which is, you know, everyone's talking about spending 30 bucks on a Sunday morning. Yep. Or, you know, I can have Cocoa Pops for the next three years. Yeah, that's it. To help me get my 100K or, you know, get the extra 50 or whatever right. it is. And, you know, and obviously just the smashed avo isn't the one part of it. But it's right. that attitude, that mindset Absolutely. towards it. If, you can, yep. if you're going to do the smashed avo, you're probably going to do a million other things yeah. as well. Yeah, and it's where ego comes into it. You now, when you're a young man, especially women, it's eager. They want to buy things to look good. So yeah. part of the journey of building wealth is forget about your peers. They're probably not going to be around you later anyway Yeah. because you change friendship circles. Okay, Most of your peers are going to have a live a mediocre life. But if you want to be different, separate yourselves and don't worry about the, how you look in front of them because eventually when you're like 15 years, just balling on your Predator yacht with your Ferrari, 
then you'll feel like, yeah, okay, I got it. But that's when it happens. You got to build up. Okay, the person. Yeah. And you know, and I like what you said there. Like your social circles will change. Like it's yeah. like you're not you're not in the same circle of friends you were when you were in primary school, uh, then high school, then when you're playing sports, and then when you at the gym. You know, yeah. it, it will evolve. Yeah. Uh, I, I'll have to say though, I'm grateful. Again, I'm not going to use the word lucky, but grateful that you know two of my best mates, one of them went to kindergarten with primary, high school. Uh, and he went to university, did the whole financial career as well, and absolutely killing it. Right. Uh, but we're still best mates to now. So like, I think that's a very rare occasion um, that we're still so connected all this time on. Yeah. Uh, but like you said, I think having the right people around, you said earlier about the environment is super important. You know, have the people that understand the sacrifices, that understand the journey, who are on the same sort of goal in life. Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it, it makes life, like, like you got, you had six of you guys doing the ultra marathon imagine you were trying to do it by yourself and no one was there with you it's way harder it'd be a battle and a half every day way harder yep yeah you know so at least you had the environment and support network there to help as well so and i like what you said there become more valuable as a human i really like that become more valuable as a human that's powerful well that's what people don't focus on yeah they focus on the outcomes too much oh the money the time da, 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 da. and they don't do the work on themselves so true and like if you think about it, if you spend money and invest in yourself, so that means do courses, read books, uh, undertake, you know, whatever it is, and, and do experiences, yeah. so run marathons, do, doing all those things, look after your body, get in good shape, then you become valuable because you've actually invested time and money into yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Then what happens is you actually give that value back out to the world tenfold 100%. because you can give it to 10 people instead of one and they find you as a person of value like let's say for example you look at the bio let's say when dimity connected us and she's like hey listen you need to talk to my friend lloyd and i sent you the bio in the book by going through and working on myself you perceive me as someone of value because i've done some Agreed. things that are kind of like a bit uncommon so, absolutely and so that's why it attracts me on your podcast and then someone might come to me it's how you build your wealth 100 percent. yeah you got to work on yourself. You got to build yourself. I love that, man. Is there? You mentioned some earlier about some books. Um, you know, what would be your top three or five books? Number one, obviously, money grows on trees. Yeah. Outside of that, um, number two, three, four, and five. Like, what would be some really good, you know, money mindset books, or yeah. even just mindset, or and then definitely building wealth books. Yeah, I think my book, Money Grows on Trees, is a good starter, but it actually gives you the practical components of actually how to go make money. And uh, when if, if anyone buys my book and does my courses, people are actually saving and making money doing my courses. So if you want actual results, that's what I was aiming for. But there are tremendous resources out there for finance and, and money. And I think the first one I read that really made an impact was obviously Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. The second one was The Richest Man in Babylon, which is some really good stories in there of principles that have stayed with me to this day. And I picked up a book uh, by Warren Buffett called The Snowball. It's by Alice Schroeder, but it's about Warren Buffett. And it really un it gave me the light of how to actually invest, the principles of it. And those books led to other books, you know, that you can get more like detailed books on investing. But those are the good key books, I think, there for, for money. Um, good. Would you suggest someone to read uh, about money, making money, building wealth, or to go and work alongside someone and follow suit, learn off like someone in person? Or is, I guess both of them are the answer, but yeah. is there a time when you should do one and not the other? Or is there a time when you should transition? Well, I think uh, books give you the principles, which you need. 
some give you a bit of tactics, but it's usually the, the, the principles or a strategy. And tactics are sort of implemented through experience of yourself and through modeling others. And how I did that was I made Warren Buffett a mentor because I went and read all of his letters to his shareholders from 1970 to now. And it would be the best experience in investing and making money, the best wow. education I think I've done. Outside that, um, did some courses, but yeah, modeling people, like modeling others who are investing and modeling their strategy and tactics. Um, but a certain mentorship can only go so far because then you have to make a decision and make an investment and, and, and own it. But implement, yeah. you got to put it in. You, you got to own it. it. That's right. Like when I, yeah. when I did it, I, I read a lot of stuff, but I just took some money and I went, okay, I'm going to buy this share for these reasons. And this is the one I put the money in. That was it. I mean, you got to, I went in there to fail. And that's what you have to do. You can't oh, nice. have all the answers before you make the first step, right? When we went through our ultra marathon, I didn't like take that first step thinking I was going to finish. I didn't know what was going to happen, but I was prepared <laughs> to fail. And I think people yeah. with their money and in investing, learn how to save, then take an investment, you know, with the research you've done and the reading you've done. And, 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 and that's how you learn by doing. So I actually did a course though, that, that does this after my book that I did it because I want people, I want to teach people a bit more. Because I didn't have that, what you're talking about. Being able to model people, I didn't quite have a lot of that. So, Yeah, good. And I think that's that's really, you know, again, even outside of wealth, modeling people is the best way to learn. Like, obviously, the likelihood of actually sitting down with Warren Buffett right now yeah, is pretty hard. That's pretty hard, yeah. It's like You know, but if you can go and find a lot of his assets online, you can watch every single YouTube video, you can read all of his letters to his investors. Yes. Like, that's the closest you'll get. But then that's like, the closest you can get to actually sitting down with him yeah and i think you know and how good is that like and then that's even in my book like that there's a whole thing like the book's obviously called be great and there's a whole part on there about modeling greatness yeah and you know it doesn't matter what field it's in doesn't matter what industry it's in you're exactly certain things you can take from it yeah i think modeling people the human brain incidentally learns the best kinesthetically mm. it, it, it learns by modeling and that's how we grow up and so i think you're true you know you hit it right on the mark. It's modeling. That's the best thing. Yeah. 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 And again, like you said, you're following where the investments you know, that they've made, you know, why reading into it? Like if it's okay for Warren Buffett to do that, I'm guessing it's okay for me too. Pretty much. You know, I made a lot of money out of that strategy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's pretty simple. Whatever he does, do what he does. Yeah. But again, like that's how you learn and grow. And if by you reading and then you can pass it on to the next person. And like you said, you become more valuable as a human. Yeah. Um, I like that. I've got a question, right? I just want to get your opinion on it. When someone's, financially struggling a little bit you know even outside of COVID time like let's say like they you know haven't got all the, the dollars and they're making things and the aussie battler experience is the mindset to save more or is the mindset to go and make more um you have to do both you have to learn how to save first because if you want to make more, you've got to invest in something to go and make more. So like, for example, I teach a lot of people how to start up a side hustle, a second income to diversify their income. Usually a job, that's the only income they got. They know they're not going to wage rise. So I say to them, look, start a little side hustle. That's what we did. And they say, oh, how much? You know, but I don't have saving. I don't, you need to have capital. If you want to start an info product business or an Amazon business or a dropshipping business or a side or network marketing or affiliate, whatever it is, a podcast, you need to have some capital to buy a Yeti microphone. You need to have Correct. some capital, right? Agreed. Yeah, some money. So yeah. if you don't have, save, so what happens if someone? What happens if someone's like, I don't actually, I don't have any money saved and I can't save. Well, that's a limiting belief that they can't save. 
it's that they don't choose to save because mm-hmm. if if like for example if they have it you have to have a job right of course and if you've got a job then objectively you want to actually save about 10 percent of your money first then spend the rest so that's called res- it's called reverse saving where you actually save 10 percent first put it away and then go spend the rest. And you can actually, and this is what I learned from Richest Men in Babylon in that book, you can live on 90% of your income and have the same lifestyle. It's weird. So save the 10% first, put it in a separate account first, but have a, have a goal for that. Say, that's my, that's my freedom money. That's my, that's my, my, my money where I'm going to build something. And then you can take that, that, that savings. You can either invest in shares, which is a business, you can invest in your own side hustle. Or you can invest in a franchise or, or you know, you can invest in whatever your car for Uber. You can invest in that. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. But you can't do it Agreed. if you have no savings. So I think people need a plan for their savings and it'll actually entice them to save more. I like that. And it's a similar, I don't know if you heard the book, it's called uh, Profit First. Uh, it's a more of a business money book, but it's exact, you know, it's a very similar con- concept. It's like, you know, put your profit money aside first. It's a mindset thing as well. I think even if you're saving 10%. Yeah. Every morning you can wake up and say, hey, you know what? Okay, cool. Yesterday it was zero and this week it's a hundred bucks. Yes. But it doesn't matter. There's a hundred bucks there that you've saved. Exactly. Over the year, that becomes what, you know, a couple, a couple hundred bucks, a couple thousand bucks. It's the only way to do it. You could have five grand. You could have five grand there by the end of the year. Yep. Okay, cool. That's the only way to do it. Like there is no magic trick where you push a button and have savings. That just doesn't exist. Yeah. Yeah. So just start small. If it's 50 bucks a week, 20 bucks a week. You, whatever you can only start small True. people are trying to wait they're waiting to start big and the answer is not there you can only start small there's no choice i've run out of room to take notes mate it's, look <laughs> but it's, isn't it true that look after the I pennies and the pounds will follow my mum taught me that it's in the book you know like the pennies add up it's sorry it's the only way to go because money is behavioral and if you don't form the habits if you can't form the habits to save 50 dollars a week or 20 dollars a week you're never gonna do the habits to save thousands a week. Yeah. 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 And think about the ultra marathon. Like you didn't start day one at running hundred Ks. You started by doing, okay, cool. Let's run 10 Ks and then let's go to the 20 and let's do half marathon. Yep. That's it. We started at six Ks. Now, if we had to start at hundred, that's what everyone's trying to do with money. They're trying to start at hundred grand. Nope. Start at $6. I was going to, I'm going to make enough money to like, and actually save a hundred grand at once. Just go. That's what people it, do though, right? Bang, hundred thousand. Yeah. And by the time they're earning their money, Jamie, what happens is they've got these big money coming in and their money mindset and behavior and habits have that's not changed. Shit. They haven't shifted. Yeah. So they're, that, that's the people that spend still, if they make 500 grand a year, they spend 500 or 600. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They make 500 and spend 600. You don't want to do that. Yeah. hundred yeah, percent. Yeah. yeah, definitely. Uh, this is really good, man. And in your book as well, you, you spoke about property um, and sort of, again, I don't want to steal your thunder. I want you to share about it, but talk to us a little bit more about like your belief around property. Cause I know yeah. me personally, my story at the age of 18, cause I grew up again, modeling my family and everyone talking, Oh my God, I should have bought property when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. I should have bought property when I was younger. It was half the price. Yeah. I could have bought land for 15 grand. So I'm sort of thinking like, well, okay, cool. I'm younger now. Yeah. I'm 18 years old. Why don't I buy property? Yeah, yeah, so yeah. I did. Um, you did. You know, I had a, a pretty really successful career in, in property. Um, so what's your opinion and vision and beliefs Pro- around that? Property is a great way to maintain wealth. <laughs> property is a great way to maintain wealth. I, think, I picked up that word. I picked it up. <laughs> uh, and, I, and, and yeah, sure. People make money from property, of course. It goes up and up. You know, it's a great asset. I'm not I'm not going to deny that. The problem I find is that they think that's the only way, 
and they get in way too early to an asset that's like 90% geared. And it, it, what happens if you get that much debt and that much responsibility early in your life, especially in your 20s, it will rob you of any entrepreneurship that you'll ever want to do. And it robs you of entrepreneurialism. And unfortunately, once, once you've got a big mortgage and you're married and you've got a child and you, then you've got responsibilities, you can't take the risks. Mm-hmm. So I feel like property is a great asset to, to buy later. You're not going to miss out. Like you can make far more money in other things like online business, podcasts, yeah. shares. You can you can make tons more money doing those things than property. There's a reason why on Robert Kiyosaki's cash flow board game that you buy shares first <laughs> before you go and buy a big eightplex, right? There's a reason for that because he knows it's easier to get into shares and make money. I I I I can make I think I'll make with one share portfolio this year like 180,000 like in one trade. So you, there is far yeah, property will take who knows how long that would take. Uh, yeah, it takes it takes ages, right? I'm not saying that shares is fast either because if you're investing correctly it's, it takes time, but yeah. it's more accessible. If mm. you want to start with any investing it's it will teach you that the money tree planting is better into an index fund in shares than it is in property because you don't need mm. debt to do it. And if you go and buy a property with debt, guess what? You don't see the cash flow. You never see it. So you never really understand all well, the benefits of investing. So you don't believe in it, right? Even if it's a property investment, you're still buying it with a lot of debt, right? And all of a sudden you go, oh, I'm getting the rent, but I'm paying it back to the bank. Whereas <laughs> yeah. if you learn how to save, maybe start a side hustle or something, build some extra money and save it, and you bought Commonwealth Bank, right? Then you're buying this money tree because Commonwealth Bank will pay you mm-hmm. in its good times, 5.5% dividend yield, which is better than property rent. I do a little example in the book. Yeah, and that's what I I actually read that a couple of times because yeah. I did the whole property thing. I was like, I want to really find out why he's saying this. Well, yeah. So like if you buy a Commonwealth Bank shares, number one, if you lose your property, the government doesn't bail you out. But if Commonwealth Bank goes upside down, the government bails it out. You can't lose a Commonwealth Bank, right? Mm, 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 so the other yeah. thing is it pays a dividend of 5.5%. Rent is about 5%. So Commonwealth Bank pays a higher dividend than what you get from a rental property that it owns. And then because on top of all the fees you got to pay anyway. Oh yeah, and then and then with a property you got to pay six grand a year in operating costs for property management, rates, insurance, yada yada yada. Whereas with shares you don't have any zero, none. So you're still at five and a half percent. Whereas with property you're down to like three and a half, right or three. Then you got to pay tax on all of the income from that property, thirty percent tax. Tell me about it. Tell me about it. And then Commonwealth Bank zero because they're fully frank dividends. You don't pay any tax on the five and a half percent. So you're still left with five and a half percent cash flow yield from shares in Commonwealth Bank, and you're down to one percent from your property. And that's why property is more of like a long-term protector mm. of wealth than it is of a cash flow cow. It's not a cash cow. Property is a cash sucker. It sucks cash from people. Unless, like you said, if you're going to sit on it for twenty years, thirty years, forty years, definitely, where right. time will just do its thing, and it, you buy buy it for hundred grand and sell it for three hundred grand. Yes, great. You know, over a twenty-year period or whatever it might be. Yep. Yeah, okay. But here's the thing, Jamie. People don't people don't suffer from asset like assets. They suffer from no cash flow. They don't have any. So that so here's my here's the objective. You want to save money and invest for cash flow first. So you have cash flow. And once you have cash flow, and I talk about three types of cash flow in the book, three, create those three forms of income first. And then when you're ready, buy a property. I'm 37. And we're just looking at property now. And I may not buy one for another few years. There's no rush. Because when you buy it, when you've got all the cash flow coming in, we can level up. We were looking at a $4 million property the other day. 
And when you go and buy a $4 million property, right, and it grows by 10% in the year, that's 400000 called sitting on your butt money. But here's the thing. If I had gone in early when I was 20, bought a property, I would not have been able to put that cash flow together because it would have robbed me of my entrepreneurialism. And I feel like I want to give permission for the young people. Here's what I want to great property, put it on your vision board, go get it eventually. But please don't be in a rush. Mm-hmm. It'll crush you if you go in too early. I like that, man. I like that. And you've got to think about it, especially these days, a high percentage of the time, you're going to have to have some sort of savings to buy a property. So you're already halfway there. You've done a great job to save the deposit, the 20%, the 10%, the, whatever it is. Maybe, you know, getting your hands on the money grows on free book and, and or l- listening to the other people out there who are saying, you know what, money, property is a bit more of a long-term thing. Yeah. Let's look at using that 20 grand you got saved, 80 grand you got saved to really maybe, you know, grow by 10, 15% over the next 12 months. Yeah. And I think that sometimes even buying a business is better than buying a property. I mean, yeah. you have to, yeah. yeah. Agreed. There's, there's a timing. People are just going too fast. And then all of a sudden they- there, there is a lot to consider. And there's a lot of different, there's a lot of moving parts. Yeah. To- no, um, but there's some core concepts and core principles to follow when you're making decisions. And I think Definitely. one thing I've always been uh, big on is, you know, like you said earlier, like definitely modeling people, but I have really good advisors around me, like yeah. even from day one, because I used to be in construction. So, you know, I was making good money. That's why at the age of 18, I was in a position to buy a property. Yeah. But from that moment, I always had financial advisors, I always had accountants, I always had really good people you know, giving me advice on where to put money. And I've got one, one of my closest mates is a, is a financial planner and, you know, taking a lot of, you know, and that's why I'm listening to what you're saying. And like in my head, I'm like, awesome, because I know I'm doing a lot of the diversification and we've got money in different incomes coming in every year, which is amazing, you know, but again, if, if I didn't have that network around me, there's no way I ever would have done that. I was probably would have bought more property. Yeah. Cause I thought that's what you do. Yeah. Because uh, that's where you, yeah. your environment dictate your there you thoughts go. and your feelings and your actions and your results. Right? There you go. There you go. I like that. So I'm guessing that's where you, you know, the whole share portfolio, because you started young, like you said, and again, like one thing I want to touch back on, you said like, you know, maybe this year there could be about 180K for when one transaction in a, in a ship, but that's years of planting the seed. Yeah. Like that's years of watering the seed. Yeah. That's not just here in and out. There was, you know, yeah. it's funny because when you have more money invested, the slightest change in the market can change things. When, when, um, when uh, Biden got in to presidency and the, it was been like the Goldilocks zone of the share market. And I think their portfolio went up by like, I don't know, 150,000 a week, wow. <laughs> which is mental, right? But because there's a large amount of capital in there. So 100%. something that was built up over time. And what I did when I was in my twenties is I started and I didn't waste money on cars and stuff like that. I actually had a plan for that money. I wanted to give it a job. So after reading the books and studying Warren Buffett, I was like, I'm just going to follow that strategy. And all I did was make investments in, I think my first stock was Westpac Bank. Um, I'm not saying that's been the best for me, but it, it, it was the beginning. You're in, you're in the game. Yeah, you're in there. yeah exactly. Quit paying dividends and it's good, steady company. You know. But there was more after that. You, make, you want to do better. And so you start investing more and more and more and more. And over 13 years, it's capitalized through compound interest to be a great, over, you know, a great sum of money. You said then compound interest in my head. I was like, if you're listening or you're watching, you need to you know, read The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, you know, and you just sort of touch on it straight away. Uh, but yeah, definitely. Again, that's the whole concept of it. Yes. You know, it's when your um, money makes money on itself, like a snowball. 
you push the snowball down the hill and it collects more snow. The longer the hill, the bigger the snowball. So and, and, and I love, I love when people, you know, like Warren Buffett, obviously he's, a, you know, he's been labeled as the richest man in the world multiple times. I don't know if he is right now, you know, but again, he's been in the game. Like he's on the biggest snow hill in history. Like he's, how old is he? Like 90? Yep. He's just about, he's in his late eighties. And yes. uh, so he's been in the game a very, very, very long time. Yep. Long hill. And he put <laughs> massive hill. There's two components to invest really successfully. Find a really long hill, which means look after your body and live a long time because you yeah. need that time to comp for compound interest to be effective, really effective. And then find some really good slushy snow. So put together your seed, your money seed, and, and mm. save up a lot instead of eating avo and toast. Build it up early in your early 20s, okay? Put into a good quality share portfolio. Keep adding to it over time and let compound interest do all the heavy lifting. Warren Buffett made most of his money. I think uh, some, because some ridiculous sum, like billions after age 65. Because it's when the snowball gets the biggest at the end of the hill, you know. It's like it's getting the heaviest, the most momentum. Yeah. It picks up from more speed in yeah. a way. Like it grows, yeah. makes more money. Yeah. And I'm not saying don't live your life in between that. Of course. You know, so. It needs to be a bit of balance there. Okay. And then on that, like where does someone, like what do you, you know, when you're working with, you know, your clients to help them understand and build their money tree and build their wealth, where do you draw a line? Like, is there a time when it's like, okay, cool. You know what? Yeah. You can't have that almond latte today. Like well, I don't, well, I don't like, well, I don't like budget with people. I don't give any of that type of traditional advice. Good. They literally read my book and they really do my courses and it's, I'm an educator and they go away and take the education and do what they will with it. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's how I've avoided the financial advice area because I prefer to teach people how to fish than give them a fish. So it's up to them to decide when they think is enough. But here's the thing. If you plant the correct money tree and you keep adding to it and not rob it, the dividends off that, which is where you're going at the back door and collect the money off the tree, the dividends you can spend, go spend them. Like yesterday we were going to JB Hi-Fi. I was with my wife and she's like, oh, I want to buy this new laptop. She even went and she's cute and she sold um, her Mac that I gave her ages ago. She sold it on eBay. She didn't use it. She didn't want to. And I want to learn the operating system, right? I get it. It's, it's hard. She's like, I just want a laptop like yours. I'm like, great. Let's go get you one. So she, she sold it. She went to JB Hi-Fi and I'm like, oh, she got this cat. It's so cute. I'm like, this is, she's, you know, she, we work hard in our business. She's almost like, I said, well, look, let's put it on, you know, let's, let's get the dividends to pay for it. And you keep the cash and spend it. Buy some. So she had a thousand bucks cash there. She's like, oh, really? I'm like, yeah, we, we invest our money and we got a dividend. So the dividends paid for the laptop. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now the ANZ bank dividends paid for that. So it's okay to spend the dividends, but don't spend the principal. The money tree is built to actually, you don't go cut down the tree to spend the money, right? You don't log it. <laughs> you, you, go and, you, don't you, you pick the fruit <laughs> off. Yeah, that's not like, yeah, man. you know, a great money tree is going to grow continuously. Then you go pick the fruit when it falls to the ground. That's all we do. So you can spend it. God, I think in my book, I talk about when, was when Commonwealth Bank was actually paying dividends. <laughs> Before the pandemic, it's going to start paying again next year, which is good. But, you know, I'd get, oh, a, I'd get a dividend check of like $11,000 from Commonwealth Bank tax-free. That's some juicy fruit, right? And so we, we we could spend that on holidays, on whatever. So it's And because you've got it coming in from multiple angles, ComBank, Westpac, ANZ, yeah. here, there, and everywhere, yeah. 5000 10000 yeah. 11000 Before you know it, you've generated two hundred grand for the year. Yeah. If you've got a large portfolio, you, you, yeah. you can produce that. Like a million dollars. But again, that 200 grand starts at 200 bucks. Correct. Your dividend will be I 200 did. bucks after the first year. Yeah. I mean, I, I I started with like, I think my I had like five grand saved up or four, 10 grand saved up. It took me a while. 
I'm like, I'm gonna, and I put in three thousand dollars, I think it was, to Westpac Bank shares, and I think my first dividend check was a hundred bucks. It was a bit. I think I talked about in the book. I'm like, that was a bit. I was like a pivotal moment in my. I'm like, I invested money. It's still there, and I got a hundred bucks. I used to have to go and wash cars and clean pools for a hundred bucks. Totally right. I was like, I'm great. Again, that's the, that comes back to the time thing. Yeah, definitely. Like you said, it's it's that twenty bucks or the hundred bucks that you find yeah. on the floor. It's yeah. that time that you've got back in your time in your life now totally. as well. What would you say are, are some of your top habits, Lloyd? Things that you do on a daily basis, whether it be around wealth or whether it be around keeping yourself sharp and you know on point to do all the things that you do. What would you say are some real key things that you do? Yeah, okay, cool. Before I go on, I would say the reason my shirt's changing colors here is because my air conditioner just broke like about, about <laughs> oh, an hour shit. ago. And I'm just sitting here going, I've got a gray shirt on. I've got a gray shirt on. My sweat's <laughs> going out. My sweat's going out. Sorry, buddy. No, no. So we'll, if, you see we'll my shirt, if you see my shirt changing color, that's why. He's, he's getting passionate. He's really no, excited like, to talk no, about no, money. No, that's all it is, con. not the air con. <laughs> so, so the question was, what are some of the ways I stay? Habits. Yeah, some of your habits. Three habits that you do on a daily basis. So... Um, the first habit I have is I, like this morning I was up at 4.45 or something and I was down at Burley. I went for a six and a half K run, which is not a long run, but, but it was, one, it was one day, <laughs> it was one day, but if I get up and I exercise and I'll do that, I'll get up early in the morning, three times a week. I might exercise on other days at a different time, but I exercise. That's one thing I have to do because if you're not in great shape, you can't think fast, you can't think sharp and you don't feel good. And you're not confident. You've got to exercise and I eat well too, right? I get my, have my smoothie in the morning and keep going. So I eat well and exercise. That's the first thing I, I do, I think about. The next one is I put a little to-do list together. Try and do six good things for the day. And I will I'll write down those list of six things and I'll really attack that for the for the day. And that's how I feel like I'm productive. It's not more than that because you can get overwhelmed. Six things. I think um, Charles Schwab, who used to run US Steel for Andrew Carnegie, who was one of the wealthiest men in history, he had this productivity guy come in and said, look, just get all your guys to do six things a day. And I learned that off a mentor. And I think that is a really effective way to stay productive for the day. Um, because I have my own businesses, I get to choose what I do, but I spend a bit of time on one and a bit of time on the other. And in between, might jump on a podcast, right? Or whatever it's going to be. Um, but you have to be flexible. But I think if you structure your day where you get up at a certain time each day and go to bed at a certain time each day and and bookend your day. So like exercise to begin with, it's your bookend, have a shower, get changed, get ready, go to it, hustle, have your lunch, make time for yourself. And then in the afternoon when you get back from work or whatever, do something to bookend the, the you know, read a book. And that's how you bookend your day. At least you've done your exercise, read your book, You've worked, and if you've got time, an hour a day on your side hustle. That's what I. That's how I would spend it. I like it, and I like how you said there. Like you've got to be flexible, but you also got to have structure. You know, and I think some people find that tough combination of having both. One thing that I've always believed is structure brings freedom. Yes, you know, having structure, and in a way, in a way, it doesn't actually make sense. Someone might listen to that. How can structure bring freedom? Yeah, it's like it's because I am that structured that I have freedom to do whatever I want. Yeah, and I think what you're right. And what happens is people who have create freedom in their life financially, they don't have any structure and all of a sudden they spin out of control. Yeah. And it all crumbles down. Yep. You, you still know. gotta have structure. Um, yeah, you're still gonna totally. 
and, and I like what you said there. It's not minute to minute. It's not like every single minute I know exactly where I have to be. Uh-huh. It's, you know, I, I start my day. I end my day. Yeah. I know exactly what I need to do in between. Yep. And I have structure. Yep. I've got meetings and appointments. I go for my six things. I exercise in the morning. I eat well. Consistency. You do that over a long period of time. Like you said about Warren Buffett, he's going to build a massive hill. Um, you know, and that compounding interest will, will do some really cool things for you. Is there one thing over the journey, Lloyd, that you've learned? Again, personal, business, yeah. money, uh-huh. whatever it may be that has really blown you away um, that you're just like, wow, I can't believe that. I think uh, truthfully, what actually got me into this position now is I started a side hustle in network marketing. And that is something that I never thought I'd ever do because my background, I'm a lawyer and yada, yada, yada. And there's not, there's not, a, there's, there's a stigma around network marketing. Right? Absolutely. So what blows me away is if people really knew what we earned in network marketing, they would like to sell this. Idea. It's, it's the most incredible business model is what actually propelled us to have this tremendous success. We've applied the fruits of that business model into so many things. And it's just, it still blows me away every Monday what we get paid. And I wish people were more open to other ways of earning income than just jumping on Uber Eats or whatever it is they do. I, I truly, like, I, I wish it for them, you know? And so I think that's in my whole life of success, I cannot believe that I'm doing network marketing, but I, I'm so grateful for that. that's the business we chose. It, it's, it's incredible. The other thing, the other thing is I've learned, and I think I can give this for the viewers, you know, if they're listening to this one, lean into what sucks lean into it like don't i think there's too many of us that are trying to run away from hard stuff take the easy route right and i learned this from david goggins book you can read it that can't hurt me but then when i started leaning into stuff that sucked i've done it quite a lot of time i've done it like when i was even studying for my cfh my mates were over in brazil partying and i was sitting there learning finance i've always lent into hard stuff and completed it if you do that you're gonna be successful Okay, you can't not be. That's the other thing I've learned. It blows me away how tremendously because what you lean into one thing that's hard and you complete it, it always leads to another thing. And it, but it builds that confidence, builds that self belief that wow, that yep. was one day hard. Hundred yep. percent. Now I made it somewhat. Look, look at you, like you lent into doing it the first time, the CFA failed. Lent to it again, do it a second time, failed. Lent into it again the third time, got it. Got it. Yeah. And you could have. Absolutely given up after the first one. Absolutely given up after the second one. And it probably would have been, you know what? He's tried twice. He hasn't got it. Well, cool. He's probably just not made for it. That's right. It might have been acceptable. Yeah, probably so. But you're like, no, fuck that shit. I'm going to do it again. I'll lean in a little bit further. I'll do something a little bit different. And you got the result. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. Do you remember a moment when you sort of said to yourself, like, wow, like, not that we've made it, but like, wow, like, it's working. Yeah. Like, look what we've created. Yeah. Was there a particular, not one moment, but was there one that you can really remember? It's like, wow, like, shit. <laughs> the fruit is falling from the sky. Yeah, it's really interesting, that one. I like it. I think when I, the first was when I got paid the first dividend check. I was like, ah, oh, I've understood investing here. I think this is going to work. That was the first thing. The second part was in 2016, when we really got understood our network marketing side hustle, and we made our first, we, we created a hundred thousand a year income. So I remember I was in the gym and I got this notification on my phone, ANZ Go Money app, and I put it up. And we'd pay, been paid like $1,800 for the week as a side hustle. I was like, profit. I was like, holy crap, like this is, I think we're cracked. Like this is the thing. That was another moment. And then outside that, I think 
when you win certain awards, so like getting, you know, some certain awards in our business, it's kind of like that flat, that success flag. Like, hey, we've been, we've been recognized as we know what we're doing too, you know, winning a few trips. Mm-hmm. When you win, when you win trips or you earn recognition, it's a landmark that you're on the right path. So I think those things have been a real help to say, okay, I think we're on the right path. Here. We're on the right structure. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, those are the moments. Again, look, it's it's that that confidence, is that momentum. It's that cool. We've come this far. We're getting recognised, and you know, we believe that we're doing the right things. We're getting results. Let's go a little bit harder. Let's double down. Yep. A, a little bit more, which yeah. is what it's all about. That's right. Uh, is this ultimately what you sort of envisioned as a eighteen-year-old leaving school? <laughs> okay, that's a good question. Weirdly, yes. Like in my mind, I was like, I'm gonna, I'm. I'm going to do something that's, I, I, I really, I really resonated with me when I read Robert Kiyosaki's book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I always knew I was going to make money. Something like hook or by crook, you know, what is it? Uh, get rich or die trying. Like, I'm, I was yeah. going to make it happen. How? Didn't quite know, but I knew inherently I was going to do it. Did I know I was going to be in network marketing and investing in shares and, you know, writing a book and courses? No. I but the universe has an amazing way of working things out for you when your why is strong enough. If your why is strong enough, the how will work itself out, but you have to be steadfast in your vision. Yeah. Right? I like it. I like it. Very similar, man. It was like, yeah, I, I just I just sort of knew that there was something more than construction for me. Yeah, totally, man. You're not built for that. 17. You're not, nah, yeah. You know, nah. I started at you know 17, left school year 11. I was yeah. like, you know, there's definitely more out there. What it is. I don't know. At the time, my mindset was, I just want to become really good at, at construction. I want to become really successful in construction. And I was like, well, maybe I'll own my own construction company one day. Who knows? Because that's just the field I was in. I wasn't aware of how what property could do. I wasn't aware of what stocks can, and, and shares and, and business and all those other things and yeah. that could do. Um, but like you said, again, you, you're sort of exposed to that as soon as you start hanging out with a certain group of people. Like You change your environment. Correct. If you're not hanging out with the guys who are going out every Thursday night for union night, every Friday night, because it's what else you do and Saturday and Sunday and Monday, uh-huh. and you're hanging out with the guys who are, you know, trying to create yeah. something, you're ultimately going to follow in those footsteps. Yes, correct. And I'll tell you a defining moment when you, when uh, a defining behavior that I changed that made me, my success accelerate drastically. I think you might be, the same. I don't know, a lot of young men, maybe, but people say to me, what do you put your success down to? I said, well, it started happening even faster. I was already doing it before, but it happened faster when I stopped going to the pub. Mm, <laughs> Truly, 100%. I don't go to the pub. It's just same. It stopped. I, I mean, it started when I stopped going to the pub properly. You know, and so I think I get in those next level results. Yeah, I think it's so good for young men to know that because it's such an easy 100%. habit to get sucked into to think just because it's you know, you know. So I think that's. Yeah. And, and, and again, it is a real topic. It's, and it's, and you know, it is a social environment. There's no harm. We're not saying don't go out and have fun, but Correct. there needs to be a time where it's like, you know what? Really? Like you said earlier, like, you know, there'll be a time when you have the yacht and the Ferrari and you can drink all the champagne and the, and the, and the beer and the spirits that you ever wanted to, you know, definitely have fun on the journey. I'm not saying not to yeah, have fun. I just, correct. Like I'm not saying don't ever go, but like habitually it's, it's like a rite of passage yeah. for young men to go to the pub, get drunk, yeah. get like, and, and it goes in that mindset you said the Aussie battle away it's like if you're not if you're 18 to 25 and you're not at the pub three times a week then there's something wrong with correct you. you know and if you're one that says no i don't want to go there, then there's definitely something wrong with you. yeah so my one of my friends i went to school with who didn't go to the pub and didn't do that and invested himself he started a business he got entrepreneur, young entrepreneur of the year his name is brad illich and he created this program called new book and i feel in my heart of hearts i haven't spoken to him for a while but he's probably going to be a billionaire and that's because he started early. <laughs> 
yeah, all the rest 100%. of it. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. How good is that? Um, not not about like what makes you special, Lloyd, but like why did you do it, man? Like why did you make it? Like we're sort of you know, talking about the young kids and some go to the pub and some don't. Yeah. You know, you, like why you? Like what did you do? It's not about like like I said, it's not about what makes you special. Sure. But it's just. I don't think you feel. Why you? I don't think you feel special, like because sometimes you're like, mm. why me? Like like you you as a b grade or c grade student at school you know you didn't really do that good at school and you're okay at sports but you weren't ever like chosen for the queens and reds or whatever you know like i never excelled like i was good but i wasn't like the standout and i was like c grade student you know but i think one of the things that i've done that's helped me continue to be successful is i never stopped reading and learning after school I never stopped. And my dad said to me once, he's like, listen, if you leave school and you put your, you, if you just stop reading and learning, he says like being a cowboy and putting your guns away, stop gunfighting. You know, you're not going to be a good cowboy anymore. So I think that's helped me a lot. And, and probably my ego. So not having that early success, I never developed this huge ego that well, I was supposed to be better than everyone else. So I never was entitled. Um, but I guess in my book, I talk about this. I had a really, really fortunate, I was fortunate to grow up with great parents and my dad was really successful. So I was able to see how he did things. I modeled his graft and his hustle and his hard work ethic. Yeah. And I, and my mum's sensibility within finance and I was able to, they didn't know I was modeling them, but I was watching and I was learning that helped me a lot too. So why me? Like that was a good environment. But then it was like a time where I was like, I want to go against the grain. I like being unconventional. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it really lights me up. <laughs> I like to, I like to dig it in the ribs. You know, people can't, can't do stuff. I like to do it just to show them. It's just this weird, like, you know, weird fetish. Oh <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm exactly the same. I don't know. My, my missus sometimes says you can't wear that in public that like that. Yeah. I'm like, you know what? Because you said I absolutely am. Exactly. You can't wear those shoes with those pants. I'm like, you know what? Absolutely. Yeah. Am. It's an independent mindset. I don't know. It's cool. It's weird. I don't know. I like to make people feel uncomfortable in a good way. Yeah, and you know, I, similar to you, I wrote my book in six weeks, right? Nice. No one said it's possible. It's like, there's no way. And I wrote it in the middle of COVID, right? Hey, so it's like you you know, April, you know, and, I, and people are like, you can't write a book and launch it and publish it, everything in six weeks. I was like, probably not, but let's give it a crack. Yeah, and I'll probably try and I'll definitely prove you wrong. Uh, and then within like five weeks, we had the entire thing written and, edited and back and and then we pretty much launched like in the six and a half weeks you know incredible you know but again like I, you someone like you said some someone tells you you can't do it i will do i'll move mountains well to show you that it is possible i know that i'm not interviewing you but that like i'd love to <laughs> another time but like I, that what is it that makes you special you know like how do you put that in words yeah and, and you know what my answer is very similar to yours like, i definitely had a really good upbringing like i really had like my parents were always very supportive like they never really said you can't do this or you can't achieve that you know but at the same time similar to what you like your dad said about like don't stop learning my dad was always about like do the extra work so i would have footy training monday and wednesday or wednesday and friday as a junior but then on the other days we would go to the footy club ourselves and do stuff nice same as cricket. So we would have cricket Wednesday, Friday night training. But Tuesday and Thursday, we would be at the Nets, just me and him. Yeah. And I'd bat for an hour. Right. And then the next night, I'd bowl for an hour. Yeah. 
So it was always that little bit of extra work. And there'd be nights like, and obviously, man, I, I speak about it in the book. Like there'd be sometimes when I hate it. I was like, why do I have to be here? Yes. Like, why me? Like, why are you taking me here? I want to be at home playing PlayStation. Like, why are we here? You know, Dude. but it's those little things yes. that looking back now, that yeah. that extra hour, that extra half an hour, you do that over a season. Yeah. Like you've gained an extra three days of training. Well, you, you learn that sacrifice pays off. That's ultimately what it was you know, um, and then sort of building up into construction, I sort of knew that, yeah, going to the pub wasn't my thing. Luckily, I was playing professional footy, so I couldn't really go to the pub because I had to be in shape. Were you playing professional footy? Yeah, AFL. So um, I, so I, I couldn't do that, even though it's a bit of a stigma, again, to go out and, and yeah. drink and do all that sort of stuff. Uh, I was working full-time in construction, plus playing professional footy. Like, it, like I was dead tired come the end of the week. Like, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. The last thing I wanted to do was actually go out. All I wanted to do was eat. I was like, I just want to eat food, <laughs> you know? Cause like you're burning so much, yeah, you're going totally. through so much, you know, I just want it. Like, I just want to rest and eat. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. You know? And then that's what gave me the ability to, you know, get ahead in life and, you know, put the, the seeds down nice and early to, to grow with. And yeah. you know, how I was in a position at the age of 18 to buy a property. Amazing. You know, um, learn, grow, but do, I think it definitely come, There you go, man. Exactly right. That's ultimately what it is. It's ultimately what it is. Last question for you, Lloyd, you know, has there been something and, you know, I want to quickly just say, you know, some of those key points you've mentioned about your dad and your parents, like some of the, those little, you know, messages that they instilled into you really early. I think that's, that's really profound and it's really helped you get, you know, it's really built that foundation ultimately to build on and do the things that you've done. Has there ever been something that someone said to you directly or that you heard or that you read something that's come up, that's come up in your life, but for you, when times get tough or when times when you need to just realign or refocus that plays in your mind is like a saying, a quote, a word, a moment i guess it's like winston churchill like if you find yourself in hell keep going you don't want to stop there in the middle of hell you just keep walking i think you know like it's just not a good place to be is it and i guess in your dips in your business and your dips in your relationships and your dips in your finances and it's it's not a great place to stop and i think about our ultra marathon we were going from checkpoint to checkpoint without stopping and every time we go past someone they were stopping for between checkpoints and they're resting. And I was like, oh my God, I, 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 we cannot stop here. We're in the middle of hell. We've got to keep going. And that's that's probably what I think of if it's hard times. Well, you know, I'm not saying I've had hard, like it, in dips in business and stuff like that, you have to just do that. Dig your heels in because you can't stop there. You 100%. Yeah, you got to keep going. There's no yeah, other way yeah, to I do love it. That. If you find yourself in hell, keep walking slash keep going. Yeah. Just keep pushing through because yeah. you definitely don't want to stop there. Nope. It's not a good place. No. Well, again, why surround yourself in that? Yeah, you don't want to be in hell. I want to get in he be in heaven. Hundred <laughs> percent. I just want to keep running through this shit. I don't want to, yeah. I want to stay here. Yeah. Lloyd, man, this has been incredible. I've actually lost track of time, um, and we have had an incredible conversation. I know there's a lot of golden nuggets in there. Uh, I'm somehow going to have to read through all my notes. I have now, no you're a beat. You are. Them. You are an animal. I hope you've had fun, most importantly, yeah. um, on, on the episode. Look, where can people, one, get absolutely get their hands on a copy of the book? Yep. Where can they find and follow more of Lloyd and what you do? Yeah, well, I mean, you can follow me on Instagram. Lloyd James Ross is my Insta handle. Um, and then on Facebook, Lloyd J Ross. They're my two main channels. But obviously, YouTube, LinkedIn, and all the rest of them. But I'm on Twitter, Lloyd James Ross on Twitter. But um, if you want to read the book, you just go to, um, you can obviously find the links in those areas. But moneygrowsontreesbook.com money grows on trees book.com i'll make sure i put all the links 
uh, in the show notes for people to get access to uh, as, as well. Yeah. Uh, so they can get uh, like a, a high list just, like I said, I read it twice. Um, and it's always, like you said, there's always something to like, look how many books you've read over the time. Yeah. You know, you see like Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, they're always reading something, they are, indeed. you know, so yeah. that there's, there's definitely, there's something to it. Yeah. If they're reading a lot, learning a lot, like you said, if you learn, you can become a, you bring more value as a human. Yeah, definitely. Um, which means you can deliver yeah. and bring impact on other levels as well. So yeah. Lloyd, man, I really appreciate it. Man, I thanks, really thanks for having me on. It's been awesome chatting with you. I love what you do. You're amazing. Thanks, and uh, yeah, thanks, appreciate it. Thanks. Appreciate it too. Nah, definitely. Thanks mate. Thank you. And again, for everyone else out there watching and listening, thank you for being here and we'll catch you on the next episode. Bye for now. Thank you for joining us on that episode. What an incredible one it was. Make sure you like, comment, share, and subscribe to the podcast. Remember, make today count and be great.